Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here on a Tuesday. Let's check out the date. Yep, February 20th. Where has February gone? I do not know. But what I do know is we have unfinished business here in Matthew chapter 16. So for this week, we are camping out in Matthew 16, 21 through 30. That's the end of the, or 20, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, 21 through 28. That's the end of the chapter. And yesterday, we sort of introduced this passage, framed it out, got the context, and I gave you some homework to go and check out some of the primary issues that I think we need to, to be examining as we dive into the text. So we're going to cover the first couple of those today. And let me read the passage first, and then we're going to dig in. This is Matthew 16, beginning at verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I want us to focus in um, on this first verse because it sort of frames everything, okay? As we said before, the disciples finally had clarity about who Jesus is. He's the Messiah, the chosen one, the, the son of the living God. Um, but what they are still unclear about is the nature of the Messiah's mission. And here, Jesus um, begins to press this upon them in a very specific, purposeful way. So look back at the text. It says, from that time... Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Now, that phrase, from that time, it, it denotes that there is a new epoch, so to speak, in Matthew's gospel, that things have now taken a turn, that, the, that now Jesus has entered a new phase of his ministry, and not to oversimplify it, but this new phase of ministry is that he is going to Jerusalem with a very specific purpose to die. And we see that, um, just I'm, I'm going to cross-reference verse 21 here on my, on my tablet in, in my Logos software, and you can do the same thing in your ESV study Bible or what have you. Just a, just a sample of things that we see similar to this. Matthew 17, 12, but I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Okay. Um, let's look at verse 22. 
as they were gathering in Galilee, a verse of chapter 17, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Let's keep going in Matthew. Look at Matthew 20, 17 through 19. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said to them, see, we are going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. So what verse 21 here of, of Matthew 16 is telling us is that Jesus, um, his public ministry now sort of shrinks down to this ongoing teaching that he's having with his disciples, and what one of the primary things he's teaching them about is why he's going to Jerusalem. He's going there to die. He's going there to suffer. Um, he is going there to be killed. Okay. Now, th this should tell us something. Okay. It should tell us what we learn in John, which is Jesus is in control of his own life. Um, Jesus could have could have run away at this point. Jesus was sovereign. He could have prevented his own death. But it, it should show us that his death was not an accident. It was purposeful. Um, it was part of the, the sovereign, eternal plan of God that Jesus would go and die on a cross and purchase redemption and forgiveness of sins for his people. Okay, So, so this, this, the crucifixion is far from a cosmic accident. It's far from an unfortunate turn of events. It's at the very heart of and plan of God. And we see that there's so many places we could see that. Romans 8, Ephesians 1, Acts chapter 2, many, many other verses speak of this definite plan of God that his son, Jesus Christ, um, be lifted up and die on a cross to suffer many things and to be raised on the third day. Now, one other part of this first verse that we want to focus on is the word must. Okay. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must, okay, go to Jerusalem and to be condemned and to suffer many things. Now that word must means necessary. Okay. It means purposeful. It means apart from Jesus going to Jerusalem to be crucified his mission, his purpose wasn't complete. He was sent by the Father to lay his life down for his sheep. He, this is something he must do. It was necessary for him to do. He was compelled to do it. Okay. Now, one verse that I want us to look at that I think really speaks um, to this idea that Jesus must die, that he must go to Jerusalem, is found in Romans chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles, I know you do. Turn there, Romans 3, verse 25, okay? Now, Paul here is writing about this death of Jesus. And Paul here in Romans 3 is explaining to, uh, explaining to us the theological meaning and justification of the crucifixion, okay? And I want to read this and explain this and tie it back to, to, to Matthew 16. So Paul's talking about Jesus. And verse 25, when it says, whom God, he's referring to Jesus, that it is in Jesus Christ, whom God 
put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Okay, there's, there's two parts to this verse I want us to focus on. First of all, why did Jesus go to the cross? Paul says, because God put him forward as a propitiation by his blood. And that word propitiation means a sacrifice of atonement. It means a blood offering to appease and satisfy the just requirements of God that he um, demands by virtue of the fact that we have disobeyed and transgressed his law. Okay, the, the, the injustice of this, of course, is that Jesus had done nothing to deserve such a punishment. Um, he, we deserve that punishment, but that's, of course, the paradox and nature of the gospel that God put Jesus forward as this propitiation by his blood so that when we place our faith in him, his righteousness is credited to us and he receives our judgment and sin and condemnation, okay? So that's one reason that Jesus must go to the cross. But this, this second reason gets, boy, it gets way deep into the purposes of God. Look back at verse 25 in Romans 3. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. I want you to think about what Paul is saying here. Paul's saying, you know, when saints in the Old Testament were saved, they weren't saved by works, they were saved by faith, just as we're saved by faith. However, they weren't saved by faith through, um, through a sacrifice that had already happened, okay? It was by virtue of the fact that their faith was in a future sacrifice that Jesus was going to make on their behalf. And the blood offerings they offered in the temple were just a reminder, a pointer, a shadow to this more permanent sacrifice that Jesus was going to make. Now, you may say, what's the problem with that? Well, there's a big problem, right? Because God, for a time, was passing over the sins of his saints. Yes, he was forgiving the sins of his saints, people like David and Abraham, um, Elijah, etc. He was passing them over um, by virtue of their trust and faith in him, but yet it was an unrighteous passing over. In other words, there was nothing that had been done to that point that would justify God passing over sins. In fact, it was quite the opposite. What justice would have been would have been God um, punishing sin. The reason God passed over sin, he forbeared with the Old Testament saints their sins, their former sins, was because of a future promise that Jesus was going to die on their behalf. So when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, it paid for the sins of God's people past, present, and future. It's just that God was, his judgment was in a holding pattern over his people, waiting on the fact that Jesus would die and their, his blood sacrifice would be appropriated to them as well, not just to us. 
So do you see now why Jesus must go to Jerusalem? Because to not go to Jerusalem would have turned the whole economy of redemption on its head. It would have made God unjust, not unjust that he forgave us, but unjust that he did forgive us. You see, there, 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 justice for the Old Testament saints would have been punishment, right? Because no propitiation for sins had been made. Um, that was only to come with Jesus. But God says, here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive your sins um, by virtue of the fact that Jesus is going to die in the future to pay for all of your sins, past, present, and future. So Jesus must go to Jerusalem. Otherwise, it leaves God open to the charge of being unrighteous. Not unrighteous for, for punishing Old Testament saints, but unrighteous uh, for not punishing them. And so I think when we, when we now let's, let's, let's step back to um, Matthew chapter 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. It's just, again, a reminder, saints, that the love of God, the love of Jesus for his people, that he would not be deterred before he laid his life down as a propitiation for our sins, to be killed on our behalf, to be, and, and what he was offered up by God, God offering up his own son as a propitiation. And it was this central act of redemption that Jesus, over this last span of his life, is taking the time to remind his disciples again and again and again and again what he was there to do. Now, tomorrow, we're going to look at Peter's response to this and then Jesus's response to Peter and what it tells us about the mission of God and our role in it. All right, let's pray. Father, these are deep things, heady things, but Lord, your word provides clarity. Thank you that Jesus didn't begrudgingly go to Jerusalem. He willingly, for, for the joy that was set before him, he, he, he set his face on the cross. Um, he, he, he went because he must, he was compelled um, because of your great love for us and because it vindicated your righteousness for passing over sins that had already been committed. Lord, what a, an amazing thing. Lord, let us ponder on that. Um, bless us as we think about this in the coming day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, see you tomorrow.